Family, it's great to see you guys. Uh, nobody up on this section because they know that I spit when I talk. Sorry for you guys, but uh, should have brought an umbrella. That's how you should have rolled today. If you've got your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is where you're going to be and where we're all going to be. And we called this sermon series in this section of 1 Corinthians in the spirit, like you can see in front of you. And that's because the last half of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this is concerning spirituality. That's another way of saying this is about what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is living inside you. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is one of the things that Christians love to scrap about. We love to debate the Holy Spirit, which is really funny because Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to bring us peace. And instead, we use the Holy Spirit to bash each other over the head because there's some people who want the Holy Spirit to bring more mystical experiences. They're more on that side. They feel like the Spirit is moving when the preacher yells a little louder, when the praise band gets to a really dramatic point in the song. They use phrases like anointing and fire falling, and if we use those phrases enough, then the Spirit will come in more power and more presence. And then you got people on the other side who say they worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but when you really dig down deep, it seems like they kind of worship the Father, Son, and Holy Bible because they get a little weirded out by the Holy Spirit that that they hear about on that side. And so they, they tend to see the Holy Spirit as just some kind of force, Uh, some kind of impersonal spiritual power that we can tap into to do good works. And of course, I'm stereotyping both sides. But when you've got people from those different sides of the spectrum coming together in a church, you're going to have some issues, right? Some people want worship to be more buttoned down and proper. Other people want worship to be more free and spontaneous. And so when you get these two sides together in the church, they're gonna start scrapping in the church or they're gonna leave and go to a different church. But here's the question I wanna ask this morning. What if both sides are right? What if both sides are right? What if the spirit wants to bring spontaneous experiences and structure and order? What if he wants to do both things at once? That's what we're going to see here. No matter which side you fall on, on the spectrum, you're going to be challenged in your preconceptions of what the church should look like. So let's pray. Then we'll dig into God's word. Father, thank you so much that we have your word, that we don't have to wonder what you're all about, what your heart is like, what your will is, because we have your word. It's such a privilege to be able to dig into your word every week on Sunday mornings and then to continue diving in throughout the week, individually, with our families, with our community groups. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully through your word today. We know that we're able to see you because of the grace of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. So help us to see that and appreciate that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to pick it back up where we left off in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says this, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and again, literally, that is zealous for spirituality. You are zealous to see the Spirit working more in your life. Is anybody else zealous to see the Spirit working in your life? All right, four of you. That's awesome. Thank you. I'll just assume you raised your hand in spirit, okay? Okay. Since you are zealous for the Spirit to be working in your life, seek to excel in building up the church. 
Therefore, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Okay, so right away we're seeing that the spirit can work to bring mystical experiences like speaking in tongues. He can bring experiences that'll give you chicken skin, that'll give you warm fuzzies, but there's more that the Spirit wants to do. Verse 15, what then? I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing praise with the Spirit, and I'll also sing praise with my understanding, with my mind. So the Spirit doesn't just want to touch your soul. He wants to engage your mind. He doesn't just want to give you warm fuzzies, doesn't just want to make you feel love. He wants to make you understand truth. Verse 16, otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will an outsider say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you're saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. You know what he's saying there? I know what I'm talking about here. When I'm talking about the ups and downs, the pros and cons of mystical spiritual experiences, I know what I'm talking about because I've experienced more of them than any of you. It's kind of like the president of the hair club for men. Anybody remember that commercial? I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. He holds up a picture of his bald head next to his like chia pet full head of hair that he's got now. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm not just teaching about these mystical spiritual experiences. I've experienced more of them than any of you. When you guys are chilling on the couch watching like the great British baking show or whatever, I'm chilling in the third heaven, chopping it up with Jesus. Okay, so I've experienced more of this than anybody else. I speak in tongues more than all of you, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. In those days, 10,000 was their way of saying a bazillion. So what Paul's saying is, yeah, I could be communing with the Spirit and, and, and speak in tongues with a bazillion words that would be so meaningful to me, but they would make no sense to you. And so it would be better for me to say five words that help you. At least when we're together. And so verse 20, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. Yeah, mystical spiritual experiences are great. It's a wonderful experience, but when you have them, that doesn't make you any more spiritual than other people. Some people are tempted to think that way, but Paul says that's, that's childish thinking there. Uh, adults know that the Spirit primarily wants to empower us to love and to serve. That's the biggest thing the Spirit wants to do in us. Verse 21, it's written in the law, in other words, the Old Testament, that I'll speak to the people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in tongues, then, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So here he's talking about earthly tongues. Miraculously being able to speak a human language that you don't know and you've never studied. And Paul says that can be amazingly helpful 
for unbelievers because it can help them see that God loves them. He loves them no matter what language they speak or what culture they come from. It can also help them hear God's truth. They can understand the gospel in their own language. It's amazing. Tongues are given to help unbelievers. But in the church, what's going to help believers most is prophecy. Verse 23, if therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in tongues, he's talking about angelic tongues now, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Yeah, that's what people thought in Acts 2, just when they were speaking human tongues. All the Christians speaking all these human languages, and the other people are like, what's going on here? You guys, it's, it's 9 a.m. You guys drinking already? Is that what's going on here? And Peter's like, no, 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 we're not drunk on wine. We're drunk on the Spirit. That's what's going on here. And then he followed it up with some prophecy. If you remember Acts 2, Peter started pointing out specific sins that these other people had committed, and then he held out God's grace to them. He held out the, the free offer of God's love and forgiveness to them, and so thousands and thousands of people were saved in Acts 2. That's what Paul wants to see happen. Look at what he says in verse 24. If all are prophesying, and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he's convicted by all, and called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he'll fall face down, and he'll worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. And family, all family, this is exactly what I pray every Sunday morning. This is what I pray when I get up early, and I'm thinking and expecting and hoping, praying what I want to see the Spirit accomplish on Sunday, this is exactly it. That people would come and look at you. Not look at me, look at you and see God working in you. That they would come and see, man, these people, I can tell, they were lost, but now they're found. They were blind, but now they see. They used to be hopeless and helpless. Now they have joy and peace and hope, and that's what I want in my life. Oh man, I'm praying for people to come and say that and, and see that in you every week. And here's what's going to lead to that. Verse 26. What then, brothers and sisters? Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. This right here, this is what Paul wants the Corinthian church to look like, and this is what God wants our church to look like. Every person bringing something unique to the table. A church where there's both spontaneity and structure. Where there's times the Spirit shows up and we had no idea, and he does something just unexplainable in our midst. But then also times when the Spirit kind of gives us some advance warning of what he wants to do so we can plan and prepare for it because the Spirit can speak just as well on Tuesday as he can on Sunday. But in a healthy church, we're going to see both spontaneity and structure. Both things happening. Now, we're probably not going to see all of that in the same space, in the same time, in the same gathering. Not in a church of our size because 
the Church of Corinth, it was a house church of maybe 50 or 75 people. Here at Harbor Honolulu, we have four or 500 people. Across Harbor Church Hawaii, we have 11 or 1,200 people across five congregations. And so we're not gonna see all of this happening when we come together on Sunday morning, but we're praying to see all of this happen as we come together on Sunday and Tuesday and Saturday, all through the life of our church. Through our worship all together, here on Sunday mornings and in community groups and on ministry teams. This is what a spirit-filled church looks like. This is what worship in the spirit looks like. Paul's listed out what you're gonna see. First, there's gonna be singing. Singing, there's gonna be hymns and, and psalms and spiritual songs, like Paul says. Why do we sing praise songs? It's because God is worthy of our praise. And so we want to praise him for everything that he's done and everything that he is. But here's the thing. We could do that just as well by ourselves, right? We could express all of that just singing along to worship songs in our car, listening to Spotify. So why do we come together to sing? Well, it's because that's the way God designed us. Scientists say that when we sing together, our neurons start firing together. It actually wires our neural networks together. Singing alone in your car, even singing along to the live stream in your living room, it doesn't have the same effect. The Spirit moves in a unique way when we're together. That's why the author of Psalm 42 says, when my soul is downcast, I remember. I remember how I led the festive procession to the house of God with joyful shouts. Yeah, when he's feeling down, he wants to be with God's people so we can worship, so we can shout, so we can celebrate. What do you look forward to when you're down? Do you look forward to the next purchase you're going to make? Do you look forward to the next vacation you're going to take? The author of Psalm 42 looks forward to the next time that he can be together with his church family just shouting his head off in praise to God because the people of God point us to the hope of God in a way that nothing else in this world can. That's why we really want you to join us for the praise and prayer night next week, Tuesday. Let's come get our neurons firing together. All right, family? It's gonna be amazing. Hope you can join us for that. That's what worship in the spirit looks like. There's singing and then Paul says, number two, there's going to be teaching. Teaching. It's just opening God's word and explaining it. Something we always look forward to because even if you've read through the Bible all the way through, and if, even if you've done that a dozen times, there's still new light that God can shed on his word. Still new nuggets of gold that you can pull out of God's word. Man, there's sections of the Bible that I've preached I don't know, six or seven times that same section. And every time I still find something new, something amazing that I, I didn't quite see or didn't quite realize or appreciate before. And when the spirit is moving, that's the kind of attitude we're gonna have towards God's word. We're just gonna be hungry for God's word. You, you just can't get enough of it. That's what happened in Hawaii's Great Awakening 150 years ago. There was a, pastor on the Big Island named Titus Cohen, and he decided to go on a preaching tour all around the Big Island, 
Remember, it is a big island. Have you driven all the way around? It takes a long time. He walked it. Just walked from village to village, preaching in each village. And here's what he said about his experience. Many people listened with tears. And after the preaching, when I supposed they would return to their homes and give me rest, they remained and crowded around me so earnestly, I had no time to eat. And in places where I spent my nights, they filled the house to its entire capacity, leaving scores outside who could not enter. This went on till midnight and would resume at dawn. People just couldn't get enough of God's word. In fact, he said some people would listen to a sermon in their town and then walk with him to the next town so they could hear another message out of God's word. Because when the spirit is moving, you just can't learn enough. You've got this insatiable appetite for God's word. That's why we preach through books of the Bible on Sunday mornings, because we want to give you the full counsel of God, even the parts that make us uncomfortable. We've bumped up against plenty of those in 1 Corinthians. But we want to keep learning and growing and digging out of God's Word. That's why we've got Harbor U. We've got a new class coming in the new year. We've also got plans for summer seminars next summer. We want to give you plenty of opportunities to learn. Because that's what spirit-driven worship is going to look like in the life of a church. There's going to be singing. There's going to be teaching. And then what does Paul say? Number three, there's going to be prophesying. Prophesying. Like he says it, each one has a hymn, a teaching, and a revelation. A, a word of prophecy. That's something we should just expect. We should just expect that because God said in the book of Joel, I'll pour out my spirit on all people and then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's what's gonna happen when the spirit is living in us. We should just expect the spirit to speak through us into each other's lives in really powerful and profound ways. Now, I know that most of us in our culture, we're just, we're just a little too shamed to put ourselves out there like that. Like when you're out to dinner, you don't want to be the guy who takes the last buffalo wing on the platter of poo-poos. You, you, you offer it to somebody else, right? That's our culture. And in the same way, you don't want to be the guy at church who's forcing your views on somebody else. And, and there's something really beautiful about that kind of humility in our culture here in the islands. Really beautiful. But at sometimes that also might quench the spirit. Because the spirit wants to empower us to be bold and, and to speak into each other's lives, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words. Now, we saw last week that New Testament prophecy is different from Old Testament prophecy. It doesn't come with the kind of authority, finality that Old Testament prophecy came with. So we're not gonna go up to each other and be like, here's the word of the Lord for you. We're not gonna be like that. We're gonna be like, hey, I feel like God might have put something on my heart that I wanna share with you. I don't know, tell me what you think about this. That's how we're gonna approach it. There's gonna be some back and forth involved. That's what Paul's shooting for in verse 27. Some back and forth. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there to be only two, at most three, each in turn, and then let somebody interpret. But if there's no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Because apparently, in that church, people were talking all over each other. In Hawaii, nobody wants to be in the spotlight. In Corinth, everybody wanted to be in the spotlight. 
Everybody just wanted to express themselves all the time. And so Paul's like, you don't have to do that. Don't monopolize the time. In every community group, there's one person who tends to monopolize the time, right? If you don't know that person, you are that person, right? That's the rule. But Paul's saying here, man, be sensitive to each other. Let, let each other share. He says in verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and then the others should evaluate. Yeah, take turns. Don't talk over each other. Learn from each other. And so what we're talking about here is another big part of worship in the spirit, in the life of the church. Number four, we're talking about interacting. This beautiful back and forth that should be happening in the church. Not in the middle of my sermon, okay? That's not gonna end well. On Tuesday night or Thursday night when you're in community group, in your Bible study, on your ministry team, we wanna see this happening. Paul says two or three prophets should speak, the others should evaluate, and then verse 30, if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And that right there, that is what healthy interaction looks like. Sharing what God has put on your heart and then letting other people respond. Letting other people evaluate. These are some really great tips, really healthy, helpful hints on how to have that kind of interaction. If we want to have this in our church, here's what we got to do. First, be humble. As we're interacting with each other, be humble. Paul says, the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets, and then the others should evaluate. So say something, and then let other people respond. And if they disagree with what you said, don't take it personal. We're all limited in our perspective. You, me, them, everybody. We need each other to help us see our blind spots in our lives, in our thinking. We, we gotta have some back and forth. So be humble. Second, be biblical. Paul says, God is not a God of disorder. He's not gonna say something now that contradicts what he said before. So make sure that when you say something, it aligns with the something that God already said in his word. And then third, after be humble and be biblical, be helpful. Be helpful, because Paul says, speak so that everyone may learn, so that everyone may be encouraged. Yeah, speak so that you will build other people up. Paul's talked about building each other up seven times in this chapter. So make sure what you say is gonna build people up, not tear them down. That's what Paul's trying to say in the next few verses. Verse 33, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves, as the law also says. If they wanna learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church, or did the word of God originate from you, or did it come to you only? It's pretty self-explanatory. I don't need to say anything about that, right? Gosh. I know that sounds really extreme, so let me repeat what I said a couple weeks ago. Paul isn't saying what you think he's saying. 
He's not saying that women can't speak in church. I mean, back in chapter 11, he was talking about women praying and prophesying in the church because women were praying and prophesying in the church in Corinth, and Paul thought that was awesome. Women couldn't speak in the synagogue in Corinth, but they definitely could in the church in Corinth. And, and, and there's some people who want women to stay hidden and quiet, but Paul's going, no way, man. We want women to speak up. We want them to prophesy. And, and we really want that at Harbor Church. Just in the last week in my life, I had a woman prophesy, speak truth that I really needed to hear. I also had another woman teach me. I had sat in on um, the trauma care training and I learned things that my seminary professors never taught me. We really want women to be speaking and teaching and leading and prophesying. We just want to recognize the roles that God's put in place in the home and in the church. That's all that Paul's talking about here. What he's trying to address here in this whole section is a bunch of people in Corinth who are trying to put themselves above each other. Everybody in Corinth was in competition against each other. And so he says in verse 30, stop interrupting each other. Just be respectful. Let other people speak. And then to the women in verse 35, he just says, stop beefing with each other. Because that word learn that you see there in verse 35, that really has the idea of questioning and, and not like a, a nice helpful kind of questioning. It's, it's really talking about interrogating and critiquing. And Paul says throughout his letters, that's, that's really the role of the elders in the church. So let's all just figure out what our jobs are. It's the elder's job to decide what's valid and what's not when there's prophecies given. So, so let's do our own jobs because we've all got different jobs. And so verse 37, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual you should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. And so then, my brothers and sisters, make sure you catch this. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. And right there, Paul just brought everything together. He brought it all together because over here, some of you are verse 39 people. You're sitting here and you're going, yeah, I'd really love to see more tongues in this church. I'd love to see more prophecy happening in this church. You think this church is dead because we're not getting slain in the spirit and anointing and, and waving banners in the spirit. You, you think this church is dead. You want more experiences in this church. You're verse 39 people. At the same time, some of you are verse 40 people sitting here right now. You really want to see more decency and order in this church. You think this church is in danger because we don't plan better and prepare better because we don't have a, a more formal liturgy. And guess what? You know what Paul's saying? You're both right. You're both absolutely right. We need to pursue both 39 and verse 40. We need to pursue spontaneity and structure. They're not in competition. They're not. Family, we need to grow in structure and order as a church. We do. Because a lot of us roll kind of island style. We don't like to plan too much. I'm one of those people. We, we want to leave our options open. But Don Carson has said, you don't, 
drift into holiness. You don't drift into holiness. You don't drift into a deeper relationship with God and with his family. It takes order and planning and purpose and strategy. We need that. At the same time, we need to grow in freedom and spontaneity because a lot of us get stuck in our routines. I'm the worst of all sinners when it comes to that. We get into routines and we just don't like it when people mess with our routines, especially when God messes with our routines. Somebody needs a ride. You think it's gonna be like half an hour. It ends up taking your whole morning. You're like, oh man, my, my whole routine got messed up. But what is God doing? Probably giving you an opportunity for conversation that you didn't have before. Probably giving an opportunity for the spirit to speak through you or through the other person to you. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge that you wouldn't have had before. So we need spontaneity and we need structure because God is a God of spontaneity and structure. He created a universe of structure and order that all exist to glorify him. But then sometimes he steps in and he disrupts the order and the structure and does something miraculous and unexpected. We're gonna sing a song about that in a few minutes. We all need to grow in spontaneity and structure if we're gonna worship the way God designed us to, where each one of us has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, where everything is done for building up. You know what Paul's talking about here? He's talking about a church where nobody is up in the bleachers. Everybody's down on the field. Everybody's got a part to play. Everybody's got a job to do. This can't happen through a few of us up here on stage, okay? This can't happen if all of you guys file in on Sunday morning, sing a few songs, tap out a few notes on your phone, go down and eat a muffin on the lanai, and then file back out and go home. It's just not gonna happen that way. We all gotta come with the expectation that the Spirit is gonna work through us, that the Spirit's gonna speak through us, that the Spirit is gonna do something amazing through us. That could happen in all kinds of different ways. Could happen through a random conversation that you have down after the service on the lanai. Could happen in your community group. Could happen when you volunteer in a ministry, in the keiki ministry or the aloha or the hospitality ministry. The Spirit is ready to work through you and speak through you. So are you ready for the Spirit to do something amazing through you? Let me try that again. Are you ready for the Spirit to do something amazing? Then let's pray for that to happen. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We know that it is the Spirit of Jesus himself who lives in us and who works among us. We know that your Spirit is bringing order and structure that would be impossible for us to achieve on our own. And at the same time, your spirit is bringing spontaneous, even miraculous experiences that we could never accomplish on our own. Thank you so much for the gift of the spirit. Lord, thank you that it is the life and death and resurrection and ascension of your son that made possible the gift of your spirit in our midst. So help us to lean into the Spirit just like Jesus did when he was here on earth. 
Help us to lean into the Spirit as we build each other up and encourage each other and even speak prophetic, bold words to each other so that we can build up each other. Do all of this for the glory of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.